My dad uh, w- was a hero of mine. Uh, got saved at a, at a young age and um, became a deacon in 1961. And faithfully served up until uh, he was in his uh, late 80s. He was still serving. Uh, my dad was a, a, a large man. Um, uh, he, he was little in stature, but my dad was a man of God, Amen. a man of God. And I looked at him and, and uh, he became my hero in many, many, many areas. How he treated my mom. His love for, for his children and his grandchildren. His heart to give. His heart to serve. He's truly a man of God. And in God's word, we have that, that statement, that title given 75 times in the Old Testament. Man of God. David was a man after God's own heart. He was known for his courage. David was a man of God. We know that David sinned, but when he sinned, when he was confronted with his sin, he was willing to ask the Lord to forgive him. Samuel listened to God, walked with God, and worshiped God. And Samuel, he was, he was referred to as a man of God. Moses is called the man of God in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 1. One of the reasons is because he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So saying no to the things of this world, he said yes, even though he was going to suffer for it. I'm going to stand with God's people instead of stand with the world. And he suffered because of that. But in God's word, he is referred to as the man of God. Elijah was referred to as a man of God because he was a man of prayer. And think about Elijah's prayer life. His prayer life was so powerful that when he prayed, fire came down from heaven. Give us men and women today that will pray like Elijah. That will have that kind of prayer life. Not literal fire, but that Holy Spirit fire that sets us on fire, that we can make a difference in this world that we live in. Elisha is referred to as a man of God 24 times in the Old Testament. He was a man who left it all. Destroyed it all. I'm not going back. He left it all to follow God. He was referred to as a man of God. If you have your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter chapter 6. The only time the man of God is mentioned in the New Testament is when Paul is talking about Timothy. And I want us to look at this passage. Now we know that Paul, the the seasoned pastor, church planner, missionary, he's investing in Timothy. Uh, Not only 
by what he says, but what he does, he is pouring his life into Timothy. He's giving him some instruction. He's warning him. He's encouraging him. He's helping him. And Paul said this about Timothy. There's, there's no one out there as like-minded as Timothy in my life. I mean, I can look around, and if you want to see someone that, that you can pattern your life after, and that's like me, Timothy is the one. And we see in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 6, what Paul says. He calls him, verse 11, but thou, O man of God. Now, as we interpret this and we look at the passage today, the interpretation, he's, he's speaking to Timothy. In this message today, God put this on my heart. When I knew that I was preaching here and as I studied and I prepared, uh, God, this, this message might be focused on men today. But the application to this, we can all take from the application here. He's speaking to Timothy, and he gives him really the definition. Here's the characteristics of a man of God. When we think about the titles that we have, people will call us pastor. Or they, they might have an other title for us in the church. But I think one of the greatest titles that we can carry as men is to be known as the man of God. Notice what he says. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee these things. He's talking to Timmy about, Timothy about there's some things that you need to forsake. Well, what things is he talking about? Look back at verse 6. He says in verse 6, and what a great lesson for us to learn, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation. And what he's saying there, he's saying that those people, that that's their only pursuit. That's their desire. That's their passion. They want that more than anything else. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So he's saying to, to be a man of God, there's some things, Timothy, that you need to, you need to forsake. You know, he, he, he deals with money and it's not money itself, but he said it's the love of it, the pursuit of it. Even get to the point to, to where uh, we, 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 we covet after it. After the things of this world, the pleasure and prosperity and the things of this world. He's saying they will be tempted. They will, they will fall for the enemy's snares. It literally means that the enemy, the devil himself, has traps set for us. Not just men, but our women also, and teenagers, that the, that the enemy has traps and snares set for us. 
And he says, be careful because there are traps out there and you need the Lord's help. You need his direction to navigate through life to avoid the traps that the enemy has for you. So forsake, flee from some of these things. Run from some of these things because if you're not careful, you will run into a trap. I know we have some fishermen here. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Just a few. And you know what? When you're fishing for a certain kind of fish, you have a certain kind of bait because you know that fish or that fish that you're fishing for, they want to go after that bait. And let me just say today, the enemy, the devil, he knows our weakness. He knows the struggles that we, that we have. And he's saying this, he says, Timothy, you need to forsake, you need to flee from these things. You need to run from these things. Let me just remind you, what shall profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and to lose their soul. What shall it profit a man or a woman to, to gain the whole world or to gain the things in this life and to lose their family? And so many times in our ministry, we, we have witnessed people that they would start pursuing things and they would fall into the enemy's traps. We need to realize we need to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, he is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. But the word of God, I have good news for you today. The Bible says that we can resist him in the faith. He is powerful, but he's not all powerful. He knows a lot, but he's not all knowing. He's not all present. He is defeated. I am thankful for the cross, but I am also thankful for the empty tomb. I am thankful today that we have that living hope today. And because of what Christ has done for us and in us and through us, we can be victorious today. We can resist the traps and the temptations and the snares that the enemy has for us. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. The Bible tells us that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And then he says this, do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Sin is so deceptive. It is so deceptive. Someone said it this way. It, it, it fascinates, and then it assassinates. And his ultimate goal, the devil's ultimate goal, is, is not only to defeat you, but to destroy you. One of the biggest traps today that, that, that we're facing more today than ever is pornography, which is so easy to access today. And we see how pornography is destroying marriages and homes all across our nation. And not just an issue that men have, but women. 
And I know it's quiet, but it's true. And we have, it, we have it on, people have it on, on their phones. They have access to it. And I'm saying have some safeguards. Amen? Amen? Amen. Have, have some alerts. Protect your mind. Protect your thoughts. As Job said this, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. That men, we will have eyes only for our wife. So the enemy has traps. And Paul's telling Timothy to forsake, to forsake these saints, to forsake these saints. But notice what he says. Next statement. Follow after righteousness. Timothy, there's some things you need to forsake as a man of God, but follow after righteousness. Follow after godliness. Follow after faith. Follow after love. Follow after patience. Follow after meekness. Yes, there are some things that we need to forsake, run from, but there are some things that we need to follow and run to. What's he saying? And we don't have time to go through and look at every thought here. But let me sum it up this way. It's a man that's pursuing and seeking after God. That's the thought here. Yes, we are to forsake some things, but help us to follow him. Help us to follow him closely. As I forsake things and the disciples, here's what they did. He said, will you come and follow me? Follow me. And Jesus is, he is calling today for men, for women, for teenagers to forsake the things of this world and to follow him. And let me just say, when you follow him, it's amazing. It is amazing what you'll experience. You think of how the disciples followed him and people say, wow, well, it would have been awesome to live back then, right? It would have been amazing to walk with him and to experience all that they experienced and to see all the things that they, 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 they had witnessed. But he's with us right now. And as we follow him and we stay close to him, we can see those miracles every day. And, and, and the call today for all of us is for us to not only to forsake the things of this world, but to follow him, to stay close in fellowship with the Lord, to spend time in his word every day. Why do I need to spend time in his word? Because I need to hear from him. Amen. He gives me direction. He gives me my marching orders for the day. He gives me comfort when I need to be comforted. He gives me direction when I need direction. He gives me strength when I'm weak. He gives me hope when I'm facing a hopeless situation. That man of God that spends time in God's word every day and cries out to him in prayer. The Bible says that man will be a blessed man. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's that man that he has a hunger for God. I, I, he, has a, he has that thirst for God. More than anything else, 
you know, when we think about this and, and just this question, is there anything that we love more than we love God? Lord, I, I want you more than anything or anyone in my life. It's that man, it's that woman that's pursuing God, that's following God. And men, specifically, God is looking for some men that are passionate about following him. That are passionate about being the spiritual leaders in our home. Men that will say, I'm going to forsake the things of this world. And I'm going to follow the Lord and I'm going to follow him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I, I want us to look at the last thing here. The last thing. Paul's saying this about Timothy. Man of God, flee these things to forsake some things and then follow after to pursue God, to seek Him and His righteousness. But notice what he says. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Yes, as a man of God, there's some things I need to forsake. There's some things I need to follow. I need to follow him. But I need to fight. He, he uses the word here, fight the good fight of faith. And then the next statement is lay hold on eternal life. What's he saying? I think Paul gives us, he clears this up a little more when we look at chapter 4 and verse 7. Paul says this, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. So when he uses the word fight, life is a battle. There are times that we, we get knocked down. Have you been there? There's times that we get the, our, our air knocked out of us, our breath knocked out of us. And we're spiritually and physically and emotionally, we might be drained. And the enemy tries to knock us down and tries to defeat us. But we need to get back up. Amen. We need to get back up. We need to finish what God has called us to. And, and I love what it says in Philippians. It's Paul saying, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the work that he wants to finish in us, and we do get knocked down, but get back up. Amen. Just want to encourage you today. Let's finish. Amen. Amen. Let's keep fighting. Let's don't give up. At 5'10", 202 pounds, Walter Payton was not particularly a big running back for the National Football League. But at the time, he set one of sports' greatest records, the all-time rushing record of 16,726 yards, which that's been broken. But during his 12-year career, Peyton carried the football nine miles. What is truly impressive, though, is that he was knocked to the ground an average of 4.4 yards of those nine miles by someone bigger than himself. But here's what happened. He got knocked down, but he got back up. 
Isn't that what happens in the world? Men, women, we get knocked down, but don't stay down. Get back up. We're in a battle. And sometimes the enemy knocks us down, but get back up. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Finish the race. Finish the race. There's no place for us to give up. Men, don't give up on your marriage. Women, don't give up on your marriage. Keep fighting. Parents, grandparents, don't give up on your children or grandchildren. Keep fighting. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't ever give up. Paul was telling Timothy, as a man of God, there's some things you need to forsake. You need to follow God. But then he says, you need to fight. Fight to the finish. At the marriage retreat, we talked about it's not about fighting each other. It's about fighting with each other and for each other, knowing that when we do that and we ask God to help us, husband and wife together, he is, he is in the ring with us no matter what comes our way, no matter what battle we face, we will be able to overcome with his help. Let's keep fighting the fight. Let's finish well. You know, Nehemiah, they're, they're building the wall. Many enemies that's coming against them. They're, they have the trial in one hand, sword in another hand. They're building and they're battling. Does it sound like today? And here is the message. He says, he rose up and he said unto the nobles, to the rulers, to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of the enemy. He says, remember the Lord. He's the one that's going to help you, Right? And then he tells them, fight. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your houses. God wants us to keep fighting. Keep fighting. Don't give up. Keep fighting for your marriages, for your children, and for your grandchildren.